Welcome to Bonehead Weekly. It is my honor to meet, to meet, to introduce this person <laughs> whom I have met only six minutes beforehand, who spent most of her childhood in Harlan. I know I'm making this up. No. <laughs> also, it wasn't six minutes ago because I got on seven minutes ago when you were already talking. Chad, so you're, you're, oh, you're, he's got you there, Johnny. We've known each other like ten whole minutes. Chad, you're lucky that I got that most out. Ruth, Anna, Evans, the author. Thank you so much for your time. I have the first question I've got to ask: How in the hell did you end up meeting James Thomas, or as I call him, Doctor Jerkface? Well, uh, that was courtesy of Brandon Applegate. Who oh, is, no. Uh, <laughs> is, no, Brandon. How did you meet Brandon Applegate and what kind of, were you out troll hunting? Well, I, I was new to the Twitterverse um, and I was looking at indie books and I saw his book um, and read it and it was fantastic. So I reached out to him and I was like, I love your book. And we just kind of supported each other's work since then. Um, and he's he's actually helping out with Ooze a little bit and uh, has a story in it as well. And so he's just been kind of helping me get connected and I really appreciate him. So he's not a, he's not a jerk face. Oh no, Dr. Thomas is the Dr. Jerk face. Oh, it, it is when it's a book called Ooze and he submits a story about two people in love in feudal Japan. Well, now that can have oozing effects, Chad. You don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. That has Ooze came from joke. Ooze came from all kinds of places in this book. Let me tell you. And since I've had surgery, Ooze is coming out of all kinds of places for me. Oh, mm. thanks, Joe. I I thought we wouldn't get into that, but. I'll just keep that mental image in my head. That's that's going to bear with me. You want to see the staples, James? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. We've known no. each other ten minutes. Yeah, but James <laughs> and I have known each other for thirty years as lovers. No, <laughs> factually untrue. <laughs> Spiritually debatable, but factually untrue. Chad, physically totally true. <laughs> Chad, oh. there was no love. No. So, oh, Ruth, like, Anna, like Vikings. Yeah, I've I've got a really bad joke, but I don't know Ruth Anna really well enough to go there. So, what we're trying to do is make sure that you feel at ease. And what I want to do is go down memory lane. So, it was fascinating when we were talking earlier. You worked as a reporter in Harlan, which is close to where I grew up in Leslie County in Hyden, Kentucky. But and you went to. Do you mind if I say where you went to college? Oh, absolutely, no problem. You went to Berea. So I'm kind of curious, can you talk about where you grew up and because you don't just back to I've been reading your stuff, you don't you you didn't get into this to write horror and we're not a horror podcast. So you've obviously gotten into horror the last couple of years, though. Hold on. Right. Real, yeah. Real quick, uh, Joe, can you say oh. what college did she go graduate from? Berea. Hippie. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and when we're done, she's going to make me a lovely pot. I'm <laughs> Chardonnay and books. I'm a hippie. It's okay. Um, Sorry, go ahead. So no, you're fine. I grew up moving around That's all right. over the place. I was actually uh, born in Canada. Um, oh, that is. Yeah. Well, I I'm an American citizen and um, have lived all over the U.S. in um, out west, Arizona, New Mexico, Idaho, Colorado. I uh, lived in Minnesota. Um, Tennessee, Kentucky. We just ha had a crazy family that moved all the time. So books were my thing that I connected with uh, when I, you know, didn't have a chance to connect with people because we were moving all the time. So that's kind of how I developed my love of reading. Um, and then I um, actually went to college for uh, English and uh, English writing but never really got into fiction. I sort of just didn't have the ideas. Um, so that's why I ended up in journalism um, is, you know, to do something with the written word. Yeah. Chad and I were communication majors and both broadcasting. And okay. I don't, Chad is the only one out of the two of us that worked a professional day in broadcasting and news. Chad, you enjoy your time in the news? Oh God, I wish it burn in hell. <laughs> oh, that bad. 
That so, was two, it was two years of pain. That's what that was. It is pain. It is <laughs> yeah. pain. I pain for I, no reward, no benefit. I liked the writing. There, there's some beautiful stories to be told, but it journalism is a dark, dark field. It is. You just come across the the worst days of people's lives, and you just. The, a lot of my stories have come from kind of the horror of well, what I saw in the field as a journalist. And uh, to, to, just to show you what kind of background I came in, I, I must have been they hated me. But mm. when they would when they would go, Chad, you're going on a story. Uh, almost every other story was an animal cruelty story. Oof. So Oof. I saw things that I can, still can't get out of my head. Chad, yeah, can you get some more B-roll over there of uh, that tripod <laughs> dog that's got? Uh... Oh, dude, it wasn't it weird was... until Sarah McLaughlin started following you around. That was when it got a little bit weird. Yeah, All dude. I can say, it was far worse than that. I know, Chad. That actually, I was actually. Hey, how are you? I was just. You've got somebody right behind you. <laughs> this is my daughter Hazel. Hi. Hi, Hi, Hazel. Hey. My name's Mick McHale. <laughs> <laughs> Sosha and Rodney. I guess she's going to be making appearances on the podcast. It's like, come wait, on. who did who's Sosha? You. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay, Chad. okay, good. I don't want to be Rodney. Well, real quick though, you talked about Rodney's reading. That when, lover I had for thirty years. <laughs> when you Let's were, see. you talked about. <laughs> y'all just aren't going to let me get this back on track, are you? Uh, <laughs> we're going to make sure that Ruth Anna is having a good time. I'm sitting here having my protein drink. Not <laughs> For what I usually drink it through. Go ahead, Jay. I'm um, having a blast already, guys. No worries. Good, good job. You, you talked about how you kind of used books when you moved around a lot. I've got to yeah. ask because my before I went higher education, I was an English education major. I was going to oh. teach in our school system, and then I remembered I hated being in school. Mm. Uh, I hated high school specifically, and so I was yeah. like, "Wait, why am I back here? Why did I choose this?" Um, I'm glad you realized that early. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, but so, what are some of the stories that you did like growing up? If uh, you know, um, obviously, well beyond horror, you came to horror. You started writing horror later on. But what what are some of the stories that people would, if they built a time machine, what would people catch you reading? Um, I was a classics girl. I enjoyed, um, like, I'd say my favorite book for years and years and years was probably Jane Eyre. Um, uh-huh. so like the, um, and you know, Dostoevsky and that kind of thing was what I was reading in high Crime school. Crime and Punishment so. is one of my all time favorite books. So yeah, yeah. Crime yeah. and Punishment. So uh, probably like, like the darker classics would be what I spent most of my time with in high school. And then as a kid, I just read all the series I could get my hands on, you know, the, um, Nancy Drew and, you know, just anything that you could just gobble up. I was reading it the um i did a lot with fantasies so chronicles of narnia um probably was a favorite for half my childhood i remember um tree grows in brooklyn so i wasn't a horror reader at all i was reading but all of those have sort of like a a sinister element in them too yeah james's headphones stopped working when they kick back in I'll pay you ten dollars if you call Edgar Allan Poe a dirty bitch. My my headphone never did stop working. And it's if not you, working. If you trash Poe one more time, <laughs> I'm going to come to your house and actually I'll just stand in your yard and listen. I was his lover Poe. for thirty years. He's never coming to your house. It's all on his. Skin. Chad, I'll start on page one. I'll do it. Oh, look at I've that beautiful tome. I've got. And I'm not talking about just the poetry or just the short stories. I will do the entire, you know, philosophy of, of poetry. I'll do it all, Chad. I'll do it. Oh, I mean, how... Poe is worth a read. So I'm kind of curious. You said you didn't start, you couldn't find the way to write fiction, but, and then you went into journalism. And now coming from you, who is obviously after reading your material is a very creative person. And myself, I, find, I consider myself a very creative person. And we went into the, the, you know, the journalism aspect of it, mm-hmm. where there is really hardly any room for being creative. It's, you know, everything has its set ways of things of how it's been from the dawn of time. And you don't deviate from that. If you deviate from that, you're an awful, you, you might as well look for another job. Yeah. So how, did you, how, 
how when did it click when did it click when did the the ability to start writing fiction click well i actually stopped writing completely for several years after i really? got out of um journalism i went from journalism to like nonprofit marketing to education just kind of um floating around there not doing anything at all with writing but then um when we got sent home in 2020 uh because you know school was closed and i was just kind of bouncing around my house uh had to do something with all that anxiety and nerves and um that was when i had an idea for my very first novella which is written under another name and it was a young adult fantasy story um and I had that idea and I just kind of slowly, slowly, slowly wrote it. And it was this huge deal for me at the time. I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing, hooray, I'm writing. And even just like once a week, turning a little corner in the story was um, just so exciting. And then I got that book out um, and someone that I had met in beta reading was like, you know, this is kind of actually psychological horror. This isn't really young adult fantasy. I was like, wait a minute, horror. And then that from then it was just like, I haven't run out of ideas yet. It just comes so naturally to write about what scares us and what scares me because um, I'm not an anxious person. Like I don't suffer from clinical anxiety, but I am a fear-filled person. Like I am a person that I turn the corner and I feel like someone semi-truck is gonna crash into my car. Like, you know, you there's a storm and it's probably going to be a tornado and my house is going to be blown away and I'm going to be cowering in the basement and <laughs> my dogs are going to be blown. Like I, I have worst case scenario in my head all the time. So it takes nothing for me <laughs> to yeah. come up with something that's going to just devastate. Hopefully my audiences. Chad, did your dad do any kind of door to door sales in Indiana? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, so is it, I think you know where I'm going with that comment. Yeah. It's uh, well, I'm more, I'm who your dad is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of honestly, though, I'm kind of more. I'm I used to be that way, but I'm really more the exact opposite now. I'm more anxiety filled and not so much of there's going to be something behind the, 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 the corner that's going to jump out and kill me. I used yeah. to be that way. Yeah, yeah, uh, Joe, like Joe, yeah, Joe and Jane spent over a decade of me like that. <laughs> and yeah. with, with any luck, we'll get you back there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> regular anxiety. Yeah. The uh, but clinical no, I, anxiety. <laughs> I, I think that's one of the things, though, because I think there is a the 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 balance between I don't know if you want to say pessimism, but I I I, I do have anxiety. Uh, I had to be medicated for a while. I'm mostly better now. Um, mostly. But mostly. Yeah. No, by uh, the time this podcast is over, you're not. I know. Uh, I hope not. But, you know, as, as we thinking about that and thinking about, uh, you know, some of your writing, it starts with something small, right? And it just yeah. builds. And That's I think normal. that as I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is effective because it's all that little stuff that we start to get worried about, right? It's mm -hmm. It's... The fear of maybe getting older, the fear of this, the fear of, and then it just keeps getting worse. But that oddly puts stuff in perspective too, right? All of a sudden, the what yeah. we were originally afraid of might not have been so bad. It is a little bit of a coping um, read, I hope, in that it just gets so bad that it gets almost a little bit ludicrous. Um, some of my stories definitely are black comedy in that way. It's like, surely, you know, surely it's not, surely, the, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spoil one of my stories, so I won't say the title of it. Um, but one of the stories that it's about a vet and um, the dogs are being euthanized. So sorry for all the people where you're not allowed to kill the dog, but I did. Um, the dogs are being euthanized and by the uh, by the end the vet is chopping the dogs up into little pieces and reassembling them um, in order to reanimate them as Franken dogs and it's like okay I'm gonna lose my dog at some point but probably he's not gonna have his eyeballs plucked out and replaced with other dogs eyeballs so there is that right so what what you you said you were dealing with just all the stuff that was going on and you really weren't writing fiction until 2020. Right. Yeah, I wasn't writing I fiction until sure 2020. I got that correct. Yeah, then I popped out with that little 
um, young adult fantasy novella. I uh, started writing some horror short stories and then uh, I came out with my self-published um, What Did Not Die, which is a ghost story um, about a child fire ghost, who's a, a ghost who sets fires. Um, and that that was like where I learned how to self-publish um, the process and, and sort of started getting connected in the community and that kind of thing. And then from there, it's been the book and now the collection. And I've got a couple of novellas that I'm submitting out to try to get published. Uh-huh. So I just so, write, write, write now. So yeah, with, with the self-publishing, what's been kind of your approach to that? Because I'm really interested in that kind of angle of it, because I would imagine it gives you a, 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 a great deal of control, but it's also a lot of having to self-market, I would imagine. And mm -hmm. we have friends yeah. on both sides. We have friends with agents who have publishers, and then we have friends who are self-publishing, and then we have some friends who are self-publishing and do quite well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, I want to stay hybrid. So I have had a couple of little things published by publishers. DNT Publishing picked up one of my stories for their Dark Town anthology, um, and then um, Hungry Shadow published a little drabble that I wrote. So and I'm submitting and that kind of thing, but I'm going to stay self-publishing too. I do love that control um, because I do my own art for one thing, and I never want to stop doing that. I I want to make sure that I'm always connecting my stories with images. And Ooze actually has a cover art for every story, all 21 stories in it. Uh, that I made so um, that's a huge part of why I want to continue self-publishing but it is it is a process and it is a lot of learning how to market um, but I, it, that's not something I hate so it's not that bad <laughs> it's not fun but it's not that bad a lot of it is really just connecting with people yeah well you have to be your own you mean I mean you're your own sales department you're doing your all your own promotions you're your own right. person. Well, now I'd like to talk to you about your art. And I, I'm curious. So when did you start being, when did you start showing a flair for art and drawing? And um, Well, I can't draw for shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I learned Photoshop and journalism. Yeah. Um, and then I, I did not have the money to make my own covers. So I just did everything I could. Uh, to try and make a cover look halfway decent. Um, and I got some help. Um, Trueborn Designs, uh, she goes by NW Reader. She's been mentoring me as far as like how to do all the fun little stuff in Photoshop and make things look better. But it, I've just been cranking it out. It's just, it's a bug. It bit me and I'm doing as much as I can. How's that protein? It's awful. <laughs> So, so you uh, just to make sure I have a complete understanding. So, the cover, for instance, to your novelette Phantom Pain, you did the cover work for that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because that's a very like that's one of those images that when I saw it and I read the story and I was like, that image itself is a haunting image, right? It's a very I love that provocative image. image because uh, and if you're listening to this, folks, pull up Amazon. Uh, look up phantom pain buy phantom pain read phantom pain um thank you but it's it's a very only buy it it is a very stark image but the clarity of the eye i think makes it so powerful because everything else is let's just say injured <laughs> <laughs> but damaged that, yeah yes that, that eye is piercingly looking at you yeah, I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, I saw the image and then like I said, I read it. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, there, that that image keeps coming back to me mm -hmm. of, of, of how powerful all of that is. Well, I appreciate that. I don't want to take credit for the image itself because I do like a lot of other, um, you know, cover artists. I do use images that I find places so I license all of my images but I don't I don't create them um, what I have done a lot with ooze is a lot of photo manipulation which has turned out to be really fun um, so like one of my favorite pieces it's it's called uh, teething it's the first one in the book and uh, it's got a fist a baby's fist coming out of another baby's mouth and it's just like Bleh! and that was that I, I kind of played with and made happen so 
it's been a whole learning process, but some of the crazy fun, cool stuff that you can do with Photoshop is just like it, I'm doing it instead of writing sometimes. I love it. So uh, a lot of your stories do have that sense of body horror. Yeah. Uh, of you know whether it be aging whether it be whatever but there I was is that about to say and and the fear of aging and death yeah yeah mm-hmm. so things that go wrong with our bodies things that yeah. or and sometimes taken to extremes what is it about that that you think is is so compelling or or, or what what draws you to that because I it definitely is compelling to read mm-hmm. uh, I was just wondering what kind of pulls you in that direction. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, I have a lot of medical problems. Um, and some of them are very disgusting medical problems. I have ulcerative colitis, which is where you get ulcers in your colon. Um, so yeah, yuck. (laughs) So I have seen pharmaceutical commercials about this. Absolutely. I'm sure you have. It's, it's like Crohn's disease. If you've ever heard uh, Crohn's disease is a little bit more well-known, but it's like the cousin to Crohn's disease. We actually Um, have a Crohn's disease joke story. Go for it. Do it. I'm here. No, it's not a joke. It's a story. Well, you get through your medical problems and then Chad maybe favor was with how one time I, his two twin brothers and I made them think that they had Crohn's. Anyway, Ruthanna, keep on. You have a lot of. Help. I mean, you can't really drop that. <laughs> yeah, do you don't remember this? I can't talk about my medical problems all day long. You called you, me you up me. from Louisville, Kentucky, in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, probably oh four, two four. It would have been oh four. To curse me because your brother saw an episode of a show I was doing at the time at Moorhead State University called MSU Weekly. I worked there as a hall director. Sorry, Ruthanna. I worked there as a hall director and I was, I was also doing something with the communications department. I had a show every week and we interviewed this lady whom I knew who had Crohn's and she was talking about it. Well, Chad's brothers uh, can be a little bit of um, hypochondriacs. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> Hypochondriac, right? They saw the show and were immediately convinced that they had Crohn's. I can't believe Chad doesn't remember this. I don't remember. I do remember it because I remember remember hearing. I remember. No, I remember the kickback from it because I got to be on the sidelines as you all went back and forth. It was a good time to be on the sidelines. So I am so sorry. I'm I'm shocked that Chad doesn't remember this. All right, Ruthanna. That's the short version of this. I made his brothers get Crohn's. Well, you shouldn't have done that. That was pretty mean. Yeah, I'm an asshole, though. I mean, kind of... <laughs> uh, so they deserved it. It's I haven't written a I haven't written um, a bloody colon story yet, but the idea of medical things just happening to you and having no control over them, and your life has to stop and everything has to stop. I mean, you can relate to this right now. It's yeah. just you. It's something to be afraid of, and not only that, it's like. Not only can you get sick, but you can get sick to the point where someone is going to have to care for you and you're completely incapable of caring for yourself. That is terrifying. And it can happen to anyone at any time. Yeah, Sorry my- for the anxiety people out there, but I no, mean, no. Ah! hey, quick, real quick. It's not because of surgery. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the two of the two boneheads know this or probably would guess this about me. It, as I grow old, it my biggest fear, an actual biggest fear, is that I will be a burden on someone, much right. less my son. And I right. have noticed it is my biggest fear. I mean, I have people all the time. It's like, oh, you got the kid. He'll take. I was like, no, that's my biggest fear, is that I would have to depend and be a burden. Mm-hmm. But and I think one of the things that is I interesting just, about I the t- cat that was walking by actually was <laughs> uh, I think one of the things that is really interesting though about the time that we live in and and i'll do a little bit of self-disclosure here is that you know we now know more right so there's more to terrorize you Mm. uh my family has a genetic marker that you know it used to be oh if you're male on my family you get to live to 70 and back when the lifespan was shorter than 70 we were like woohoo now that the lifespan is above 70 we burn out at 70 and and but now, because of modern medicine, they've at least named it. We know what's wrong. It's a genetic issue, uh, broken, check to blah, blah, blah. 
but it's really interesting because uh, my father obviously had it. He, when he became ill, they said, oh, this could be, could be, do you want to be genetically screened? And he said, well, if it'll help my kids, sure, he was screened. And then they said, okay, yep, you've got it. Do your children want to be screened? My other siblings, to my knowledge, have opted not to, but I was like, well, I want to know. I want to know. And sure enough, I have that same marker. And they're like, well, we can do some things to, I mean, but it's genetic. What, what do you do with genetic data? What do you, yeah. and yeah. so. I think that's really interesting because as things advance, we sometimes get sold on, and it's something that actually I was reading one of your stories, and it was like, oh, this is really interesting because we get sold on, oh, they'll come out with something. They'll come out with something mm -hmm. that will help you. There right. will be something. And, but now we also know that, right? We know that. Well, and then there's those some things that come out, and then those some things, the side effects are so terrible that you like I, I'm on a, a medication that if I stop taking it for more than a couple of days, I can have seizures that don't stop. And and I <laughs> like that that's a medicine. Was, that's something that I'm putting in my body. Oh, I was waiting. There's for, another joke. No, I was just waiting for the joke at the end of that. No, that's it. That's stop. the joke. Seizures that don't stop. That's what happens to you if you start taking the medicine that I'm on. So it's like you're right. As we get further along and as we develop more and more treatments, it gets more and more frightening in a way. Yeah. And it, it's, it's constantly that balance, right? And it's the, uh, uh, it's, it's one of the things that I think about it, And we used to have a, well, he's still around. We just don't directly work. But we used to work with a colleague who was, uh, I'm a big man. I'll admit it. He was in good shape. He was in all that stuff. And he came one, in one day and he goes, oh, he, he said, I'm having trouble getting uh, a life insurance policy or something, something along those lines. And I said, what? I have one and I'm, you know, I don't run every day. I've never ran a marathon in my life. Maybe I'd run to a buffet, but that's about all I've got in me. <laughs> and uh, he was like, no, they did the pre-screening and they said my blood pressure was too high. And I'm like, man, if they won't let you in, how did I get through the door? And so I think that's another part of it, right? It, it's that... Mm -hmm. We can't even trust our eyes. We can't look, well, that person looks healthy. That person, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's like a little thing and we have, we have Google too. So, you know, you've got a little spot somewhere like in Phantom Pain, she just has a little spot on her breast. And if you Google that you're dead, you know? Oh yeah. WebMD has pronounced me dead. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You're, you're totally dead. So I just make that true. I just make it true. It, anything that can happen, it does happen. And it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy it. I want to talk about one of your stories I was reading today, because it includes a lot of what we were just talking about, of, of you know, kind of growing old uh, illness, but it also deals with uh, being a parent and addiction. So mm. is it the Nicholas is it's I'm sorry, sorry. Nicholas Say, is gone. Nicholas, Nicholas is gone. gone. So I, I, I was wondering, because addictions, every family's got addiction. Do you have addiction in your family? Are you familiar with addiction? No, addiction is a fear of mine, though. Um, she said drinking while she was taking her 42 <laughs> medications. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm really fine. No, 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 um, no, 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 that's what you tell the group every week. <laughs> I don't have a problem. No, um, I am fine, actually. But no, addiction is a fear of mine. And I think that that is something that I just kind of, um, every fear is a good story, I think. And so that was what I went with was, okay, what if, what if I were an alcoholic what if I were an alcoholic to the point where no matter what, I could not stop drinking and I had a child um, and everything that happens when you can't stop drinking happened to me with my child. Um, so, you know, you lose your job, you lose your home, you get kicked out of here, you don't have any money, like all of these things that can happen do happen, but then there's also that supernatural element of okay so what else could happen yeah what, um, what else shows up at the gas station yeah yeah what? so um and there, there's a lot of uh, metaphor in that story in terms of like stealing 
stealing your children's childhood away from them by being imperfect. Well, and um, he has the line that the the old man says it, and even the kid kind of says it. You know, you're just going to go get another bottle when he's getting older. And then the old man says, we're, we're, this is the easiest thing for him to do. Otherwise, you would have ruined his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I mean, I think that's a... In comfort. It, it could be. You know, the, uh, the fear of every parent is that you're ruining your child's life. Right. And we don't know that she's not going to quit, that she's going to quit. I mean, she stops a little bit at the end. Right. I mean, we don't know what happens on the second pay. I mean, after the story. I mean, she's tried to quit a lot. Yeah, she's tried to quit a lot. I mean, she she basically quit for a few hours just to get into a home. And didn't well, yeah. really even succeed at that. And even then dealing with addiction. I mean, alcohol is one of those, quite frankly, somewhat rare addictions that if you try to quit cold turkey, there can be some pretty mm-hmm. serious side effects. Mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and she she goes through those things and she goes through them in front of her i don't remember how old he is probably five i think yeah um she goes five through boy stuck with me for obvious reasons yeah sorry about that no uh, he watches her get the shakes and sweat and have headaches and have hangovers and you know puke and all of these things that a five-year-old should never see his mother do but she could not stop and she's in this addiction um the title of this book is called no one can help you by the way no one can help you tales of lost children and other nightmares mm-hmm. um and it's available on amazon in paperback and, and we'll get to that in a few minutes we'll, we'll get to that we'll how yeah. we can find everything in a minute yeah i just remembered i hadn't said the title um so uh she she's a conscious like competent normal person within this addiction and i think that almost would be how it would be when you have a problem like that is you're watching yourself destroy your life and destroy the lives of everyone around you yeah um and have so little control and we don't know why the dad left right i don't remember it explaining Mm -mm. No, he just left. It could have been the alcohol that drove him away too. I don't know. It could have been. But I, I, why did the kids a whole other story? I think the other part about it, though, as I was reading it, is obviously there is a villain, but Mm -hmm. I also thought about, like, as I was reading, I was like, oh, there's also people that are bound by rules. But the rules are actually stopping them from doing good. I thought about the person, mm-hmm. you know, who is running the, um, the shelter. Yeah, yeah the shelter. Right. And and you know, it's like, well, this is our policy. This is, our, and it, there's even that line about how they had steeled themselves for this. They knew, you know, it didn't matter mm-hmm. what the response was. It didn't matter what the. There was nothing that she could say. And I think about, you know, anytime you're in a position where you're dealing with people about how sometimes we can't do shades of gray when maybe maybe we should yeah because i think that's one of the things that really stuck with me from that story was who is like and and like you said obviously part of the point is the the mother is is affecting the life of the child but part of me was like some somebody should say what about the kid right at some point why is anybody, you know, not to sound like Maude Flanders from The Simpsons, but won't someone think of the children? Um, exactly. Yeah. And the, the, her biggest fear is that she will lose her son. Um, but when you think about it and you think about what she's putting him through, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot. To, that's a lot to say in the story is like, maybe yeah. he's better off in another situation. Like, I don't know. I I would not be able to make that judgment. He's with his mom and his mom loves him. You know what I mean? So well, she's incapable of taking care of him. And but she's incapable of taking care of him. Yeah, exactly. it's it's a very different it's kind of the to go a little bit classical lit. It's the ant- antithesis of Huckleberry Finn and his father, right? Like I mean, mm-hmm. where he was abusive, where he was so the best thing that Huck could do is get away from his abusive father. Right. right. That's not the case here. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to leave it messy, I guess is kind of true. So um, in more ways than one. 
<laughs> yes, it's gotta it's gotta hurt. And if it if it uh, the messier it is, the more it hurts. And I don't know why I'm like that. I don't know why I want to damage people with my fiction. But I don't think you're damaging people. I mean, it's a it's a it's it's not like every st- I mean any story you follow in life, if you follow it long enough, ends in tragedy. All of our lives mm. are messy. I mean, all of our things, everything bad can, is going to happen to you. It doesn't mean that life. that the fucking truth? It's true. It doesn't mean that life's yeah. less beautiful than it ever was, but you're, mm. you're not getting out of this alive. Well, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that I appreciate about your work as well is that your characters have those dimensions. They have mm. uh, thinking about um, the, going back to the Phantom Pain. Um, you know, this idea that, um, if I'm remembering correctly, the student that needs help or that asks for mm-hmm. help, um, you know, they get the response that they get again, kind of the, well, this is what we're supposed to say type response. Yeah. But then ultimately the protagonist makes a choice to say, well, even though I said that I'm going to do X, I'm going to. And I think that's really interesting because I think that's that's a very real response. Yeah. But at the same time, a little bit of that psychological damage is already done to the student, right? The student right. went for help and didn't get it initially. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where that story is going to go, per se, mm-hmm. um, because too much ooze gets in the way, too much, <laughs> too much <laughs> challenge, too many things get in the way. But that part there was a the story there, though. Yeah, there was yeah, a story Sorry, not since we did that four-parter on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2, The Secret of the Ooze, <laughs> have we said the ooze this many times. But but I think that's really, I, I think that makes your stories really real because there are all those things that, you know, yeah. th- what, what to me can be a two-minute encounter where with a student where, and I have experienced this working with students where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, just do this. Uh, and then they'll come back later going, hey, that really meant a lot to me. I'm like, I don't remember what I said. And I'm not saying that to be dismissive. And usually I just say, oh, thank you. I, I'm glad it helped. And then I'll try to remember what I said or what I did. And I often, I don't. I wish I did. So I could be like, I need to do that again. That worked. Or they'll come back and be like, how dare you? I don't know what I did. I don't know. You don't even remember us having sex for 30 years. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that didn't happen. <laughs> Though, once again, I am on medication. I so finally there are got Ruth, Anna. I had to, it took about 40 minutes and I had to bring it back the fifth time. And no one's blushing. So I am I am on medication that does have side effects. So I could misremember things, I guess, but I don't think that's one of the side effects, yeah. 30 years. <laughs> All on his terms, Chad. He ain't coming to my house. Mm. Booty calling me. To read Poe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let me tell you, to read Poe is a euphemism. <laughs> and I can do uh stick. I can do oh, El Dorado by memory. I did it in middle school and it still stuck with me. There you go. Oh, wow. That's exciting news for you. Yeah, that's that's what I got, Joe. I don't bring much else to the table. Ruthanna, I'm, what, what struck you to sit around, and I'm assuming you're a very rich person because you teach. What struck yeah. you to sit around? Yeah, I know. It was sarcasm. But to sit around and go, you know what I'm going to do? Because we have all this extra money left over after I pay all these bills and raise this, 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 these 42 kids and, and, and send them all to all these private schools, have all this extra money left over and I'm going to use it on myself and I'm going to self-publish because it's, it's, there's money there. Um, well, you have to survive somehow you do and so i think that's probably how i approached it at first um but i'm trying to understand how you tick like i think i look at it as this is what i'm doing that i want to do with my life um and teaching is fulfilling in its own way um but it's not necessarily fulfilling me as a person. Yeah. So um, I feel like writing and publishing and doing art and that sort of thing fulfills me as a person. And you have to invest in that when you find something like that. Not everybody has something like that. Right. Not everybody, you know, 
discovers a passion. And so I discovered a passion and I'm investing in it, but I spend every book I do, I spend less um, because I'm learning so much more about how to do it. And I'm making connections and you, the things do cost money, but if you have skills, you can trade. Um, so I'm developing skills that I can use to trade with people for um, things that they do. So like proofreading and that kind of thing <clears throat> where I used to have to go on Fiverr and um, find somebody to do the proofreading. Now I can make a cover for someone um, for a story that they wrote and they can do proofreading for me and that kind of thing. There's ways for this not to be that expensive. So there are a few hard and fast things that absolutely cost money. Um, so for example, like putting ooze together, I, ha I had to pay for the stories. Like mm -hmm. you don't ask people to donate stories unless it's a charity anthology. You have to pay for people's stories. So that was a chunk of money. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'm gonna make that back, but I think right. we, have, we, have, we have some pre-orders. We do have some pre-orders coming in. And then I made the decision um, just recently to go ahead and put this on Ingram, mm -hmm. which means that it can go to bookstores anywhere. And I've already got a few people interested in putting it in their bookstores. Um, so that's super exciting because this will be the first book that I have ordered from Ingram into actual bookstores, um, which is big. And I'm really excited about that, but that costs money because you have to get an ISBN. So you do have to spend a little bit of money, but you don't have to spend crazy amounts of money to self-publish. Well, now I'm the next thing is, is we've had both, you know, self-publishing people who also have, <clears throat> who have a publisher, who have agents, we've had, you know, all over the show. And normally when we even don't have writers we we usually have people behind the scenes in movies if you've if mm. you had a chance to look through any of our catalog yeah but, i love your show oh you're just saying that because i'm here but i appreciate it <laughs> um, thank you so much you do flatter as you you do go on you go on <laughs> tell us more right james i'll be honest it, joe if you could just do that if you could work on your benoit blank blanc i'm sorry blanc. Benoit. Yeah, Benoit Blanc. If you could just do that a little better, a little better. So, uh, Mr. Thomas, Dr. Tom. Anyway, that's what I was going to say. What's your least favorite thing about all this bullshit? Trying to get reviews. Really? Some of so so we have people on here who only do our show, and I think James and Chad will back me up on this, just because their buddies say, oh, these three a-holes aren't too bad who can't stand doing the interviews and all that. Oh, no, not interviews. I, no, yeah, I know, is, I know. Yeah, no, trying to get reviews is terrible. Interviews, yes. I don't know if I hate them yet or not. So far, this is going pretty well. This your first one? <laughs> I did one other one, but it wasn't like a, it was It was a completely different type of podcast. Um, but yeah, this is my first one well, on my kind of book. a completely different type of podcast were you doing? <laughs> Classic Ford track. Uh, hold on, hold on. No, no it wasn't Joe, completely it was completely different. different from ours. It was a good one. <laughs> that is what I meant. I didn't, I didn't want to I thought she I was just talking about loud, the John Deere in the 60 mile. <laughs> I, this is my second podcast ever. And oh, the first man. one where I had to like talk about my my current work and yeah. Oh, this is the first one you've had to talk about your current work yeah the, oh good can i here I'll, i am you've got me consider it popped <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah no and i was just curious so that so going down and chasing down people to review your book is a pain in the ass because the more good reviews i'm assuming the more reviews you have yeah better off you are right well, and when you get reviews, it's amazing. So getting reviews is fantastic because like you get some kind of feedback and generally my, my work is fairly well reviewed and the ones who have something negative to say about it, I'm not worried about it. That doesn't hurt me in my soul at all. Not everything is for everybody, but the, the number of reviews really matters on Amazon yeah. um, and on Goodreads and racking up those numbers for an indie author is just very difficult. It's got to go viral somewhere. Something has to happen for it to, you know, really get up on, into those hundreds and oof, it's just, I don't have 
the reach and a lot of indie authors, you know, you see them being pretty successful, but if you look at their number of reviews, it's, it's just not very high. So I would say that's the most difficult. Hmm. I was about to say, but your, your works are really well reviewed. Um, again, just looking at everything, um, you know, you, I'll be honest. It's one of those things that, um, if you want to go pessimistic, you know, when you're looking at reviews, and I know people that do this, they'll scan for that one star review just so they can be negative. <laughs> and just looking at, for instance, uh, side effects include hmm. has no one star reviews. And by the way, Stephen King gets one star reviews. I mean, so he absolutely does. Yeah, one star reviews happen. It'll get and, one, I'm sure. And um, by the way, if any of our jerk listeners are listening to this and think, well, I'll be the one. No, don't stop. It. <laughs> um, I just, I realized we'll have that one guy be like, well, he said no, don't. What should happen? One of the few negative reviews we ever had came, it was an attack on Dr. James Thomas below us. And what, Chad, three years later, he still brings it up. Yeah. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite actors was Vincent Price, and I finally convinced them to let us do a Vincent Price episode, and it was the first episode we ever did that started getting thumbs down, and I'm like, oh, uh, evidently the kids today don't care about Vincent Price, which is a tragedy. Aww, that um, is tragic. Yes. I actually think that is the only episode we've ever done that got thumbs down. Thanks, Joe. Keep rubbing that salt in the wound. I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty salt-filled sure right now. Is, Chad? Is that the yes, only yes, one? Yes, 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 Joe. Pretty it is. Sure. It is. Thank you, Joe. Hold on. We're going to pause the interview right Hold now. Hold on. Check just to make sure that James's passion project was the only thing to ever. Get yeah. No, no. No, I can't wait till, uh, I don't know. I've got nothing. But no, so you're, you, you know, you talk about the number of reviews, which I know really does matter because it affects the algorithm that mm -hmm. evidently. Exactly. Much like medications, algorithms control. If it's not medications and algorithms it's tell, that are telling us what we're going to do, I guess. But, you know, it's, it's so those re reviews really do matter. And I know I've heard that for Amazon. I've heard it for Goodreads. Um, and and yeah. so, but when people do discover your work, they really genuinely like it. I mean, all the, all the works you have out there are well reviewed. So uh, listeners, if you are looking for something to read, once again, Ruth Anna Evans, Go on the Amazon, pick up a book. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start talking about that. Where can they find everything that you've done? I want you to go through it. So um, everything I've done is on Amazon, except I have a really um, dark story called Hungry that I didn't feel like I could probably publish on Amazon um, because it has uh, a lot of animal suffering in it. And that is on godless.com. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of godless. Yeah, godless.com. And it's called Hungry. And it is about an animal shelter that runs out of food in the middle of uh, like a near future food shortage. So everybody's out of food, all the animal food has been eaten up, people are buying it to feed their kids and there's nothing to feed the animals. Um, and a local person has been uh, raising dogs for meat. And so the animal shelter owner is not very happy about that and things happen. So that's on Godless. And um, I, I would love for more people to discover not only that site, but that story. And everything else is on Amazon. So I've got uh, No One Can Help You on there. And I've got um, What Did Not Die, the, the ghost story on there. Um, and then several novelettes as well. Trigger Warning is on there. I don't, we haven't talked about Trigger Warning, I don't think. Um, but that is, it's called Trigger Warning for a reason. It's about a uh, school shooting at a preschool. Um, the aftermath of a school shooting at a preschool and the kids come back and want revenge. So uh, that is available on Amazon and all of the proceeds from the sale of that go to every town for gun safety. So That's a tough subject to tackle as a parent. Yeah. Or as a human being. Why did as you- As an American for sure. Why did you decide to ascend that hill? Um, because I think I've been through so many situations where it's like, 
there's been a threat and it's time to search. We have to search the students and we're doing a drill today and barricade your door. And here's another one on the news and my daughter asking me questions. And I mean, we just, it happens and happens and happens and happens and happens. And I want revenge. Um, and so I wanted to write a story with some revenge in it, but it's more complicated than that because you can't really, I mean, who are you gonna kill? And when you, I would like that story to be read <laughs> because I can't, I can't say the ending without ruining it. But no, um, I just, I wanted to hear about the emotion of it. But yeah, but it's I, it's I'll a hard, it. it's a hard story because it is like this country is riddled with gun violence, mm -hmm. and we just, I had to write it. But I, I think, and once again, though, you're dealing with the topic of literally or liter literarily not literally mm -hmm. literarily in the story obviously children lose their lives yeah. but at the same time i think there's a parallel to and i have children of my own you know they had yesterday my children spent two hours in a football field not luckily because of a gun but somebody brought pepper spray in sprayed it mm -hmm. caused the child to have an asthma attack they had to prove it was only pepper spray they had to evacuate the school they had and yada yeah. yada yada yeah and you know i think about well I, I was joking with my wife i said you know we had the russian right i had to know i had right. to get under my desk if the if the nuke went off which i would have done a lot of good luckily i was in a school that was lined with asbestos and lead paint so i probably would have been okay <laughs> um Nothing but the finest 1930s construction. Uh, but I I literally do think about that, that we have stolen away their youth in a different way. Yeah. There's no, I had to worry about people that literally were across an ocean. And quite frankly, I only vaguely understood that, right? And and my father didn't sugarcoat things. And he goes, son, you can get under your desk. It's not going to matter. So in some ways, there wasn't that dread, right? If it did happen, we were all gone. Yeah. It'd be terrible, but it'd be over quick. Whereas I think, like you were saying, the amount of drills that they have, the amount of just everything constantly. Yeah. Everything is, uh, well, what happened? What's this? What is that? And and we're, then we're bombarded with it on the news. And, and you know, mm -hmm. to the point that my children know my response is your job, if anything happens, is to come home. Whatever that takes, come home. And yeah. and that's a different conversation than my parents ever had to have with me. And it's such a real conversation because it happens. Like it it, it could happen. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I teach in a public school where I mean, not to get like I I'm not gonna tell the name of the school or something, anything, uh -huh. but right up the road from me, there was a boy who came to school with a very large gun and instead of and he was waiting for everybody and instead of killing all the students he ended up shooting himself and when the buses rolled up he was laying there on the pavement in front of the school like how can I not write horror that's I guess that's the question for myself is how can I not write horror when the world is so full of horror that I don't know any other way to cope right so it's it's <laughs> it's not that funny but that that's how I get through really it's just so dark out there I think you have to, I'm not saying we're laughing at that, but I mean, so what are you going to do other than laugh? Exactly. Yeah. What so you have to, you're going to leave, you have, you're going to shut Ruth your Evans has these two sides. The, the, there's the side yeah. where um, everything is horrible, the entire story and it ends in sadness. And then there's the side where everything is horrible the, to the end of the story. And then somebody gets eaten. <laughs> so and not in a good way sorry <laughs> but yeah so, no, what are you gonna you do got, you got you absolutely absolutely there's definitely that you you have to laugh because what else are you gonna do i i i, I i'm with you you're, you're that whole thing about you have a child your heart lives outside your body that's all accurate mm -hmm. but at the same time the child has to be acclimated to the world because your yep. job as a parent is to make sure the child survives without you mm -hmm. right what? yeah 
I think Len's feeding herself right now, so that's good. Oh my goodness, that must be be magical. (laughs) (laughs) But you have a you have another story which is available on Amazon. Everything you love is gone. Yep, and it has a. It's obviously not a a story. A uh, that's cool. I'm right here, Jeff. Anyway, um, everything you love is gone. But it's it's kind of the same thing, except this time it's a force of nature, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's a hurricane. It's a disaster horror. Yep. And and so this idea that, as Joe was alluding to, we can't protect them yeah. all the time. And even when we try, and I think one of the things that I find really compelling growing up the way that I did is there's also this undercurrent of there's not enough money, Yeah, right? Yeah. It, is, it is perhaps easier to protect your child if you have. Isn't that the truth? And and when you don't have that, what do you sacrifice? So what becomes the parallel? And so I, I wanted to bring up everything you love is go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I wanted to bring up everything you love is gone because I think that's the other side of it, right? And as Joe alluded mm-hmm. to earlier, eventually something gets us all, be it mm-hmm. weird genetic coding, be it but it's it's really one of those things that when we think about it and and by reading stories like that. If we've never thought about it, we will, but also it gives us that ability to kind of cope to say, well, what would I do and what can mm-hmm. I do now to where if I'm ever there, maybe I can be a little better prepared. Yeah, I exactly. I, I completely agree with everything that you just said. I feel like that's a that's um, kind of why I write it, because you know a hurricane you you watch on the news a hurricane came came and it took everything away and then you put yourself in the situation and then what if you're pregnant what if you do have a small child you know what if you have a a older you know an elder parent on oxygen like all of these things are true and can happen um you have to be you have to be ready for that not only physically and have the batteries and, you know, all of these things that we all kind of stockpiled a little bit during the pandemic. Um, but you have to be emotionally like mm-hmm. you have to survive that. So if you can survive the book, <laughs> maybe you can be a little bit closer to being able to survive something like that. I'm not sure. I, I, the other thing that, and maybe I'm overreading into this, but I think one of the things that also struck me with your work is the, for instance, um, uh, with uh, the and I we've been talking about it in my mind just went blank sorry um, oh uh, uh, no one can help you and children uh, being you know kind of the, the tales of lost children being the subtitle mm-hmm. one thing that struck me and again maybe I'm reading into this but uh, with the example that we've already talked about uh, Nicholas uh, it's He's always there, but the mother still feels very isolated. Mm. And that's really struck me because I, I thought about that. How often are we with our children? So we're not alone, but we're also mm-hmm. still very isolated. Like I can't, or at least I try not to, you know, burden my children with, well, let me tell you about daddy's day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, yeah. And so I, I, that was one of the things I, I, uh, was wondering is is that something that was intentional or am i overly reading into it no i don't think so i think isolation is a huge theme in almost all of my work um the novella that i right now it's with a publisher being read but if it doesn't get published i'll be self-publishing it later this year um it's about a podcaster um who has bipolar and um, had a relationship with one of the other podcasters for 30 years that he won't acknowledge let it go joe let it go the war is over sex they had sex just say it <laughs> that's all i wanted from him <laughs> um but her only relationships are online um she nowhere in the story does she talk to anyone except one neighbor and he tells her to go away Um, So all of her relationships are online. And so like that, that theme of isolation is not only something that's in my stories, but it's something that's becoming more and more and more in my stories. Um, And I think that really might go back to the fact that, um, you know, I did move 20 times before I turned 20. So 
you know, and I, I had five sisters. Um, but <laughs> I know <laughs> it was a lot of sisters, but at the same time, when you have that many people in a family, you do feel isolated as well. So isolation is a theme, is a theme in, in my literature, I would say. And I, it was a theme in a lot of the literature that I loved growing up. I mean, Jane Eyre and Crime and Punishment and all of those things that had a, a lot of isolation in it. All right. We've kept her for over an hour. Yeah. Really? Uh, last thing I wanted to do, I did want to talk a little bit about ooze. So when does ooze, it's like we don't uh, suck at this. <laughs> when does ooze come out? When, when can people buy ooze? March 1st. So it's pre-order pre-order is available now um, on Amazon. You can just search ooze Ruth and Evans. It's on there. Um, it's only three 99 to pre-order uh, and then it'll drop March 1st paperback and ebook um, and then sometime thereafter it will be available um, in bookstores. And oh. you mentioned earlier that Brandon Applegate has a story in this. Yes. Uh, are there any other authors that you want people to know that hey if you're looking for their next story it's going to be a news? Oh absolutely yeah my two featured authors are Judith Sonnet um, and Roland Bercy Jr. So both of them have some really, really gross, gross stories. So you're in telling this me book. it's gross. Gross. <laughs> like I read it and then I read it again and then I edited it. And I don't think I'm going to go back and read either of them again. <laughs> because <laughs> I love them and I'm proud so proud to be publishing them but ew. <laughs> so if you want that absolutely um, pick up ooze and then I've got some really um some because I did have that extreme in there I got to go soft too so I've got some really beautiful beautiful soft horror um by Emma E. Murray um and um a couple of other people. Let me see. I have a note. I'm not good at. That's okay. Oh, Monica Luzon has a beautiful story about. Um, I don't even want to tell you what that one's about, but it's it's painful. I've got painful stories in here. I've got soft emotional stories in here. I've got um, stories about death and stories about. Um, there's one called Bitch Witch which is my favorite title ever um, about a, a frat boy who gets what's coming to him. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in this book. It's a super short book. It's only 30,000 words. It's going to be teeny tiny, but um, 21 stories, body horror, super fun. Amazon $3.99. Yeah. Also find all of your work on Amazon, correct? Yeah. With and the then check out Hungry and Godless. Yeah. Yep. Check Godless. Out Hungry yep. Yeah, we got to get Jeff Bezos another yacht. <laughs> well, I agree, but Amazon has been has done a lot it for really indie is, horror yeah. authors. It, it, yeah, in terms for uh, for indie authors, Amazon is phenomenal. I am joking. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's it's a deal with the devil. It's a deal with the devil that I will make, and he can have my soul because I want people to read <laughs> my work. Yeah, and, well, but and, I, and I, by I the way, also... I highly recommend reading. Um, side effects include phenomenal, oh, phenomenal short story. Thank you, I appreciate that. I, I think the other thing about Amazon that I do give credit for is actually helped me discover other authors, though, because Ooh. once you're in the algorithm. Once you buy ooze, good news, kids, it's going to connect you to other people who write similar type things. And sometimes you have to sort through the algorithm a little bit. But I've discovered a lot of authors because I'll find something I like, I buy it, and then it's, mm -hmm. oh, if you like that, please give us more money by buying this. But I usually do. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And it's an honor to be included with some of the authors that Amazon pops me up there with. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a it's a fun community to be part of. That's something that I hadn't really talked about. And I do want to give a shout out to the horror community um, on Facebook and on Twitter. They have just grown me up as an author in the past year and a half. Um, I couldn't have done it without all of the people on there who have cheered me on. So thank you very much to the horror community. Oh, Ruthanna, I forgot to tell where can they find you on Twitter? I don't think we asked, did we? No. Twitter um, it's social just, put those out there. Yeah. At Ruth Anna Evans 
on Twitter at Ruth Anna Evans. And um, I'm Ruth Anna Evans on uh, Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. And those are my two main ones. I'm on Instagram as well, but I'll just post what I post on Twitter there. So I think it's author Ruth Anna Evans. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> but Ruth Anna Evans, everywhere you look, there I am. All right. So check out Ooze. Is there anything you'd like to talk about before we go? I really appreciate y'all's time. Thank you. No, oh, thanks thank for joining us. Thank you so much. We love meeting authors. James, you got anything before we roll out? Yeah. No, I was about to say, check out, as Chad's already done the recommendation, but yes, I, read these works that we've talked about, discover them, share them with others, because it really, there's there's stuff that stru- struck me and keeps striking me when I try to close my eyes. So, and, and all I got to say is the ending of uh, Side Effects Include will happen in real life if I catch James rubbing up on Joe again. Do it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how well your digestion system works, Chad, but we'll see what happens. And that's a good way to end Bonehead Weekly. Thank you so much, Ruth Ann Evans. Uh-huh.